The Bible said, and, and, and as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning doth make thee mad. I mean, I will say right there for, uh, by, by, as we get into this, there ought to be a time where the world thinks you've lost your ever-loving mind. And if they haven't told you you've lost your ever-loving mind, and they haven't mocked you for, for the way you live your life, you're not doing something right in your Christian life. I'm just telling you, now that's, that's not what I'm preaching tonight, but it's, but it's good and it's right. But look in verse 25. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. And then listen to what he says. He says, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, and it's one of the most, most heartbreaking sentences in all of your Bible. He said, he said, then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also they hear me this day, we're both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. And we'll stop reading right there. I want to preach tonight with this simple thought in mind, almost or altogether. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. And Lord God, I do thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be in your house. Lord God, I thank you for how we felt your presence in the singing and how you've spoken to our hearts. But, Lord, I'm asking you now, will you take these next few minutes? Lord, I pray, God, will you speak to our hearts? Lord, will you fill me with your spirit? Lord, will you empty me of self? God, will you cleanse me from sin? God, will you use me, God, like you've never used me before? Lord, I'm asking you, God, will you reach down tonight? Lord, it's not about me, and it's not about an outline or, or, or a thought. But, God, it's about, it's about you speaking to the hearts of your people. And, Lord, I want to ask you tonight, Lord, will you reach down? Lord, if there might be one that's lost, God, will you convict them of their sin and show them their need for a Savior? But, Lord, I pray, God, for those of us who are saved and on our way to heaven, Lord, will you help us, Lord, to walk out these doors changed? Will you walk help us to walk out these doors more committed and, and, and closer to you, God, than we've ever been in our life? Lord, I do ask you, God, to touch the preacher tonight, Lord, as he's back home sick. Lord, I pray, God, will you touch him and heal him physically, Lord, and help him, God, to get over this quick. But, Lord, God, I ask you, Lord, will you touch us, meet us, and meet with us tonight. Lord, we'll give you the praise. We'll give you the honor for all that you do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 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 You be seated. Hold your Bible open here. As we begin to read in the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 26 specifically, it appears and looks like what happens in, a, in, a, in an average church service that you and I would sit in on any other time. Notice what the Bible said in verse number 2. The Bible says this. It said, uh, Paul, he, he, or I'm sorry, look at verse number 1. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews. You say, what happens in, in Acts chapter 26, verse number 1 uh, and 2? Paul gets to a place where Paul is getting ready to preach to these people. Amen. And he's got a group of people. They have gathered together. They have come together. They brought Paul in and they, they, they laid some charges at Paul. And they said, now you can offer your defense. Now, what do you think a Baptist preacher is going to do if you put a group of people together. He's going to do two things. One, he's going to take an offering. Amen. And then two, he's going to preach. Amen. And so you look at it. He ain't getting ready to preach the word of God. That was trying to be funny. If y'all don't start laughing, we're going to be here for a long night. The less y'all laugh at my jokes, the more I try to tell them and the more it drags out the message. I'm just telling you. But he begins to look at it and, and he's got this group of people that they've gathered together and they're looking at it and he begins to preach to them and he begins to preach the truth of the word of God. Hey, can I say that you and I, we ought to remember something about, about Bible preaching. We ought to remember something when we come to church. The purpose of coming to church is for one reason and one reason only. It's to hear the truth of the Word of God and to make a decision that draws you closer to God. Hey, I wouldn't give you a dime for somebody that gets up and gives you some speech, but then they don't, they don't bring you to a point of making a decision. What's the point of being here? The goal now, tonight is for you to walk out the doors changed. The goal tonight is for you to walk out the doors closed. The goal for you tonight 
life is to walk out of the doors more committed to God and more more committed to living for God. Hey, but if we look at it, we live in a day where we don't want authoritative preaching. We live in a day where we don't want people to bring us to a point of decision. Come in, tell us how we're doing. Tell us how, how good it's going to be and how everything's going to be okay. And let us walk out the door. Hey, but that's never been the way that God wants it done. God is looking for me and you to make a decision in our Christian life. Understand the success of your spiritual life is going to be found in making the decisions. I think I slid this thing around. This ain't ain't sly. We might be in trouble. The, the, The success of your Christian life is going to be built and based off of what do you do with the times where God brings you to a point of decision. You remember Joshua 24, Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. Hey, you say, what is that? Joshua, I know, I know Joshua would go on and say, ask for me in my house. That's great, but understand, I can tell you all day long what I'm going to do. I can tell you all day long what my family's going to do. I can tell you all day long how we're going to live. Hey, but that's not going to help you and your family. You say, why? Because you got to make the decision for what kind of life you're going to live. You say, what happens? Joshua did the very same thing in Joshua 24. He preached unto that crowd and brought them to a place and said, choose you this day. Hey, I think about over in First Kings chapter 18, I believe it was, with, with, with Elijah over there. What did he do to that crowd? He brought them to a place and, and he said, how long halt she between two opinions? You know what he said? He said, if, if God be, or if Baal be God, then follow him. You say, what's he doing? He said, man, you got to make a decision about who you're going to serve and who you're going to live for. Hey, can I say we live in a day where too many Christians are wanting to walk into church and man, they're almost committed to God. They've almost made a decision for God. They They've almost gotten to a place where, man, that preacher has preached and he's pulled on their heartstrings and he's told a couple of good illustrations and he's told a couple of good stories. And, man, he's got you at a place where, man, he's got a hold of you a little bit. And you look at it and you say, almost thou persuadest me. And the bad thing is almost is good enough that a lot of times as a preacher, we'll look at that and we'll be thankful. A lot of times a preacher will look at that. Man, if he can just get somebody almost committed to God, if he can just get somebody to say, you've almost got me, we'll look at that and we'll say, man, we're doing pretty good. Hey, because almost will make for a pretty good church member. Almost will make for a pretty good Sunday school teacher. Almost will make for a pretty good singer. Almost will make for a pretty good staff member. Almost will make for a pretty good deacon. Hey, almost will make for a pretty good uh, nursery worker. Almost will make for a pretty good church secretary. Almost will make for a pretty good uh, pianist. Almost Almost will make for a pretty good song leader. Almost will make for a pretty good specialist. Hey, but understand, almost is not what God wants. God is looking for you and I to be all together. You say, what's the problem with being almost? What does it matter? Almost is pretty good. It'll get you head knowledge. But you'll die and go to hell because you'll have no heart knowledge. Almost will tell you, man, I know about Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm on my way to hell. I know that I ought to place my faith in Jesus Christ, but it won't get you to place your faith in Jesus Christ, and you will die and you will go to hell. Uh, You say, why? Because, man, you're almost there, but you've not quite made it yet. Hey, almost will get you head knowledge with no heart knowledge. Hey, almost will get you to live a moral life, but you won't be Christ-like. Almost will get you to live good. It'll get you to dress good. It'll get you to act good. It'll get you to talk good. It'll get you to listen to the right things. Hey, but you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You're not committed to God. You're not living for God. You're not doing it to try to be pleasing in the sight of God. You say, what's going on? You're living moral, but you're not Christ-like. Hey, almost will get you to church, but it won't get you in church. There is a difference in being at church and being in church. You say, what's the difference? The difference is, what do you do when you get here? Hey, if we're not careful, so many times we come to church and church is nothing more than a social club for us. Church is not Nothing more than somewhere that we look at and we come to so that we don't get talked about in the community. Church is somewhere we come to to see our friends. Church is somewhere we come to to, 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 uh, Lord, to, to just have uh, some sort of social activity and social experiment. Hey, but I'm telling you, if you'll ever get in church, it'll change your life. Hey, you get in church, it'll change the way you talk. You get in church, it'll change the way you act. You get in church, it'll change the way you behave. You get in church, it'll change your life. You say, why? Because you're not just playing church anymore. But now you're in church. Almost will give you a form of godliness, but you'll have no power. 
You know what the Bible said in 2 Timothy 3 in the last days? It lays out all these things. It says having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Hey, there's a lot of preachers in the day and age we live. There's a lot of, there's a lot of song leaders in the day and age we live. There's a lot of specialists in the day and age we live. There's a lot of Sunday school teachers in the day and age we live. There's a lot of soul winners in the day and age we live. There's a lot of servants in the day and age we live where, man, they look the part. They act the part. They talk the part. Man, their suit is nice. Their tie is straight. They've got the dimple. Their cufflinks are right. Their dresses drag the ground. Their hair is cut right. Man, every hair is in place. Your lady, the lady's makeup is right on point. Hey, but understand this. They look at it, man. They look the part, but man, they're as dead as it comes on the inside. You say, why? Man, they got a form of godliness, but there ain't no touch of God on them. They, they got a form of godliness, but they're not walking with God. They're not living for God. They're not serving God. You say, why? Because they're almost where they need to be. But they're not all the way there. Almost will get you to be a Bible believer. But it won't get you to be a Bible liver. I'm troubled by the number of people who, who man, they'll, they'll shout it out in a camp meeting on, on I'm King James only. But then they walk out the doors and they live any old way they want to. I heard one old time preacher say it like this. He said, he said, we believe the King James Bible, but we live NIV lives. He said, man, you go through and you live your life. He said, you take out the parts you don't want to take out. He said, how's that any different than these false Bible versions? Hey, but we look at it, we say, the Bible says, be ye holy, for I am holy, saith the Lord. Well, I don't like that holy living, so I'm going to take that out. The Bible said, out of the same mouth proceeded blessings and curses. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Man, I, I'm just going to let my tongue slip a little bit. Hey, we, we ripped that verse out. The Bible says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more, as you see the day approach. Well, I just can't come to every service. And look, I'm not, I, I know, I know where, I'm not talking holidays. I'm not talking work. I'm not talking vacation. I'm talking about you sitting at home tonight and you wanted to watch the Cowboys and the Giants play instead of you being in the house of God on a Sunday night. Hey, by the way, I know what's going on. I like all that stuff too. Hey, it was a good day in my Christian life when I got all together committed to God and I let go of that stuff. You say, what's going on? Man, we live our life and we say, I believe the Bible, but I'm not going to live the Bible. I'm not going to put the Bible into practice. You're almost committed to God, but you're not all together yet. You say, what's going on? Hey, almost will get you to be a Bible believer, but not a Bible liver. Hey, almost will show you a need in the church, but it won't get you to answer the call of the need. Hey, understand, we live in a day where every single church I go into, man, they are looking, and they are praying, and they are begging God for service. They need somebody to do something. Hey, and I believe with all of my heart, Lighthouse Baptist Church, you're no different. I don't know what all the needs are. I don't know what all y'all got going on. Hey, but I believe if your pastor was here tonight, and your pastor was up, he'd say, man, there's things in our church, there's things in this ministry, there's things in this community, Community, that man, if I just had one more laborer, if I just had one more person who would serve God and commit to God, man, we could start another ministry. Man, we could start another Sunday school class. We could we could do whatever. I don't know what it would be. Hey, but I'm telling you, we need people not just to see the need of what ought to happen, but we need somebody to like Isaiah say, "Here am I, send me." Hey, what do you need me to do? I'm here. I don't you don't put a restriction on it. Just tell me where to go, and I'll go and I'll do it. Almost will show you a need, but it won't get you to answer a call. Almost will get you self-centered, but not Christ-centered. Almost will get you a relationship with God. You'll be saved, but it won't get you in fellowship with God. Almost won't get you to read your Bible. Almost won't get you to pray. Almost won't get you to walk with God. Let me ask you this tonight. Are you almost... Are you all together in your Christian life? So how do I, how do I know? Well, there's four, four areas right here in Acts 26 that I want to show you. I want you to look at each and every one of them. When it comes to this matter of your conversion, are you almost or are you all together? Now understand where everything else I am about to preach after I get through with this point, you are okay if you're, if you're almost. 
You're not going to die and go to hell. I'm going, I'm going to preach on your calling. And you're not going to die and go to hell if you're almost at, at, at your calling. You're not going to die and go to hell if you're almost changed in the way you live your life. You're not going to all die and go to hell if you're almost committed to God. Hey, but tonight you will die and you will go to hell if you are all, almost uh, in this matter of your conversion. If there's never been a day, if there has never been a night, if there has never been a time where you go back to where you say, man, I know that 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 I bowed my head and I placed my faith in Jesus Christ and I asked Him to come into my heart and I asked Him to be my Savior. Hey, then understand, it's not, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to hurt you. Hey, but I'm telling you tonight, if you are not that sure about the fact that you know you, you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, one day you'll die and you'll lift your, hells like, your eyes like that rich man in hell. And the Bible said in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torments. Hey, and one day if you say, man, I'm not all together uh, on this matter of my conversion, one day you'll be that rich man that you die and you lift your hell, your eyes in hell. You say, why? Because you've never placed your faith in Christ. You say, well, that's great, but that's your opinion. Let me tell you what happened to Paul. Remember, Paul said, I wish you were all like I am. Look what the Bible said in verse number 12 of Acts 26. He said, whereupon as I went to Damascus with chief, with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw in the light, uh, in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in an Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. You say, what happened? Paul is about to have a one-on-one personal encounter with God. Hey, understand, your conversion isn't about what your mama told you. It's not about what your daddy told you. It's not about what some preacher told you. It's not about getting caught up in some emotional church service or some emotional camp meeting. Hey, there has to be a time in your life where you go back to it. Hey, and I don't know when it is for you, but you got to go back to a time where you heard not Saul, Saul, but you heard and you put your name there and you call I go back to a Sunday night in June of 1989, a nine-year-old little boy in church on South Cobb Drive in Smyrna, Georgia. I'm sitting on this side of the church over here and for the first time in my life, I had been in church my whole life up to that point. I had heard the preaching. I had been in the Christian school. I got in trouble for fake preaching. The preacher would get up and he, I thought he was hitting his Bible. So I'd hit the Bible and they, they called my mama on me. I'm like, man, y- y- y'all tell him to stop hitting the Bible and I'll stop hitting the Bible. I'd done all those things. But Sunday night, June of 1989, nine-year-old little boy sitting in church for the first time, the Holy Ghost came by my pew and said, Michael, Michael. So what happened? For the first time in my life, I realized I was lost and on my way to hell. For the first time in my life. Now understand, I didn't, it didn't take long for me to get this part down. I knew I was a sinner, but I didn't know I was a sinner. I, I didn't understand all of that. I, I knew, but look, when, when they began to talk to me and tell me what sin, I understood that. Man, I had, I had three sisters. I was born with a sin nature. I had three sisters. I know I was born a sinner. But they began to talk and began to lay that out. For the first time in my life, I realized I was a sinner. And I realized that if I had died, I'd have to die and I'd have to pay for that sin all by myself. And there's only one way I could pay for that sin, and that's for me to die and go to hell and to pay for that sin. But man, that, that, they began to explain, my, my, my papa began to explain on the, on this side of the altar of that church, uh, in, in Smyrna, Georgia. He began to explain to me that man, yes, you're a sinner, and yes, if you die and you pay for your sin, you're gonna have to die and go to hell, but God loved you enough that He sent Jesus to die for you. And, and I understood that, I'd memorized John 3.16, man, I, I, I was a good kid, amen? And so I'd memorized John 3.16, and I knew that, that He had sent Jesus to die for me. And I knew that I was on my way to heaven, or, or I knew that He came because He loved me. I understood all of that stuff, but I did not understand that he came because I was a sinner until that night. See, remember what I just said? I said that you have a head knowledge with no heart knowledge. I had all the facts here. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the son of God. I knew that. I didn't doubt that. What did he do? He died on the cross. What did he do after that? He got up on the third day. That's why we celebrate Easter. What did he do after that? Well, he's in heaven right now. I knew all the facts. 
I had it right here. The same way many of our people are sitting in our churches. The same way many of our young people are sitting in churches. The same way they're going into Christian schools. And they're being homeschooled. And they're, they're being invested in. And having their life poured into. And they're hearing that day after day. And week after week. And month after month. And they know those things. And you may be sitting here tonight. And you say, man, I sat in church. And I know that. But here was the part I didn't. I had never understood until that Sunday night. I had never understood that just knowing the facts about who Jesus was was not enough. There had to come a day where I was going to place my faith in him. There had to come a time where I was going to acknowledge that I was a sinner and say, Lord, I know that I'm lost. I know that I'm on my way to hell. I know I can't get myself to heaven. Hey, and there was going to come a day where I wasn't just going to have to acknowledge that, but I was going to have to say, Lord, not only do I know I'm a sinner, but I know I can't get there, but I know you can get me there. And Lord, I want to bow my head now and I want to ask you to come into my heart and I want to ask you to forgive me my sins. Let me ask you something. I'm going back to Sunday night of June. In 1989 on South Cobb Drive in Smyrna, Georgia. If I was to come over here and say, Brother Ashton, when was that for you? Hey, could you go back to a day? Could you go back to a night? You say, I don't know the date. You don't have to know the day. You say, I don't know the day of the week. You don't have to know the day of the week. You say, I don't know the hour of the day. You don't have to know the hour of the day. Hey, but you better know there's a time. You better know there's a place. Hey, when was your time? When was your place where you weren't just almost there, but you got all together converted to God? He was altogether converted. Notice verse 16. He was altogether called. The Bible says this. It said, but rise and stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. To make thee a minister and a witness. Witness both of these things which thou hast seen. And those things in the which I will appear unto thee. You say, what do you mean he was altogether called? Notice what he said. He said, but rise and stand upon thy feet. Now, there's no there's no 12-step program. There, there's no discipleship course. There's no anything that's taking place as you read your Bible. He goes through right here. He said, I've saved you and I've called you. It reminds me a lot of 2 Timothy 1, verse number 9, where Paul would write unto Timothy. It says, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given in us in Christ Jesus. Before the world began, I ain't gonna fall, bro. I see you over there looking at me. I ain't gonna fall off this platform. He's like, like, man, that that foot's moving. I'm not, I almost slipped there. But but you look at it, you say, what happened? He saved you and he called you. The minute you got saved, God enlisted you for a purpose. God called you. Hey, you understand, don't you get it crossways. I'm all for the call of God uh, to preach the gospel. I thank God for the call of God to preach the gospel. I think more of our young men need to accept the call of God to preach the gospel. But God ain't ever called a woman to preach. And he said when he saved you, he called you. So that means there's more to this matter of being called of God than just the call to preach. Hey, some of us have a call of God to serve God and vacuum a floor. Some of us have a call of God to keep a nursery. Some of you have a call of God to play a piano. Some of you have a call of God to sing. Some of you have a call of God to teach a class. Some of you have a call of God to pray for the preacher. Some of you have a call of God to, to clean a bathroom. Some of you have a call of God to knock on the door. Some of you have a call of God just to be involved and be a blessing at the house of God. Understand, what are you doing in your church to fulfill your call of God in your life? Amen. We look at it and we say, well, the preacher ought to be called. But if you, if, again, do we believe our King James Bible? Or are we going to live an NIV life? Because if you believe your King James Bible, it says he saved you And he called you. So that means every single one of us have a call of God on our life to do something. The best illustration, the best way I can think of it is is a tissue right there. Man, we see a tissue laying on the floor and we look at it. We're like, man, somebody ought to do that. We look at it and we say, man, that's somebody's job. No, understand if God lets you see a need, it becomes your need. It becomes your job. It becomes your, you say, man, I'm not the preacher. I'm not the pianist. I'm not the song leader. I'm not the Sunday school teacher. Man, I don't have that call of God on my life. Hey, you may never have that call of God, but if God's called you to come in here every single week and pick up the floor and to vacuum a floor and to clean the bathrooms and to keep the the property upkeep, hey, then understand that call of God in the sight of God. You coming in and picking up that tissue right there is just as important as the singer doing their part. It's just as important as the preacher doing his part. It's just as important as the teacher doing their part. You say, why? Because, man, when you pick up that paper, you're not picking up paper. You're fulfilling the will of God for your life. You're fulfilling the call of God in your life. Let me ask you something. Are you altogether committed to the call of God in your life? 
Oh, preacher, you really believe that? I really believe that whoever's job it is to pick that up, if you're doing it because God's called you to do it and God's put it in your heart, it's just as important as the preacher doing his job. You say, why? I was using that illustration one time in a church down in Florida. And I don't do this often, but it was one of those things where I had been preaching revival down there for a few days. And at one of the meals, the, the preacher just told me that there was some little murmuring going on inside the church. And y'all look, I'm, I'm, I don't look to, I don't look to, to cause problems. But I'm also one that I just, I don't do a good job of just turning a blind eye to things. I go, look, I, I love Thanksgiving because it's the one of the few times of the year our whole family gets together. And I got three very emotional sisters and I like to poke. I don't know which one, but one of those girls is going to go home mad by the time we walk out of there on Thursday night. The worst thing that happened to my sisters is they pushed Black Friday shopping back later where you couldn't go and you couldn't start shopping at 3 o'clock in the afternoon because that meant they had to stay longer at my mama's house when we go to Thanksgiving. And, man, if you give me some time, I can really push. But I'm in this church in Florida and I'm preaching and he's like, man, people are just complaining about this. They're complaining about that. They're doing whatever. I, on purpose, I did what I just did with y'all. I took a tissue. I threw it on the floor and I just left it. I just preached for about 10, 10, 12, 15 minutes, an hour. Who knows? Wasn't an hour. I stayed on the same point, so it wasn't an hour. But I just left it there. And I came back to it about 10 minutes later. And here was my question. I said, how many of y'all? Haven't really paid attention to anything I've said the last few minutes. Because you're wondering, why in the world did I throw that piece of paper on the floor and walk off? Three quarters of that church raised their hand. By the way, much the same way you would have done. You said, what are you saying? They had tuned out the preaching because there was a tissue on the floor and they were more focused on that tissue than they were the preaching. And we look at it and Satan's convinced you that if you pick up the tissue, you don't matter. Satan's convinced you if you look at it and, and, and you say, man, I don't really do much. I'm just I'm just a greeter and I greet him when they come through the door. Satan's convinced you that that doesn't matter. Do you know how many people I, I wish I could remember the, the statistic, but my pastor gave it out one time. He had all of us leaders together and he was talking about what he wanted to do with the church. And he gave us a number of the, the percentage and it was over 50 percent of people. They said they, they make a decision about whether or not they'll come back to a church a second time before the first song is ever sung. They walk in the bathroom and the bathroom's a mess. They say, we're not coming back. They walk through the front door and the greeters are, are rude. We're not coming back. They walk in. They, they walk in and they sit down. And man, it looks like the, the, the nobody's cared for, for anything. And man, they, they, they've left this. They, they don't know that the, the preacher put the tissue up there as an illustration. But they look at it like, man, they don't even bother cleaning up around here. We're not coming back. So what are you saying? If this is all you do is pick this up and make it go away. Your role in this church is valuable. If all you do is you help with the, the ministries. If all you do next time y'all have a ladies thing is you come to the preacher's wife and you say, Sister, what, what do we need to do to help you? How can I be a blessing and an encouragement and help you? You say, well, does that really matter? You don't realize that, that Satan's been all over her. Satan's been discouraging her and been fighting her. And, and Satan's been telling her there's no reason. They don't care. They don't appreciate you. They, and, and I don't know if I don't know if he ever does that to you or not. He probably doesn't. But say, so you don't know all of that. And then when you come by and you just say, hey, sister, what can I do to help? The preacher gets up and, man, he's got this youth meeting. And, man, y'all y'all, y'all are doing all this stuff and y'all are getting ready for it. And I don't know all that's going into it. I, the, the, the other year when we did that thing. I was here for it, and y'all, y'all, y'all fed us. Y'all gonna feed us again? Okay. Somebody, uh, well, we're coming now, by the way. <laughs> Me and Chase are, the, the girls got a ladies thing in our church. But, somebody's gotta help prepare that food. 
Somebody's going to have to make the, the Sam's run, I guess, maybe, to buy the stuff. Somebody's got to, got to do the prep work on it. Somebody's going to have to come in here and set up the, the plates and the, the condiments and the, the, the forks and the knives and whatever else you're going to, I don't know what's needed. But is that going to be the same one or two people doing it? Or are you going to say, man, you know what? God's called me to serve God in my church. He called me to get involved in my church. And I'm going to get in and I'm going to be a part. And I'm going to get all together committed to this matter of serving God and finding my calling in my church. So what happened? I, I, there, was a, there was a call of God. I think about what the Lord said in, in Mark chapter 1 when he's, when he's calling Simon and Andrew. It said he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus came unto them and said unto them, Come ye after me, listen to this, and I will make you to become fishers of men. You notice what he said there? He said, I'll make you to become fishers of men. You notice what he said in Acts twenty six sixteen? He said, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee. He said, No, you're not what you need to be. No, you're not all you're going to be. No, you're not everything I want you to be. He said, but I still have a purpose for you. Hey, and understand tonight, you're looking at it, you say, man, if I could just do this, I'd be better suited to serve. If I could just get this out of my life, I'd be better suited to serve. If I could just yield more of this, I'd be better suited to serve. Hey, that may be the case. Hey, but until you get it out, why don't you find out what God will do with you in the condition you're in now? Hey, before you're all the way ready to go off and to do something, why don't you say, God, what, what can I do now? Lord, I want to grow. God, I want to I want to be more like you. God, I want to be more committed. God, I want to be more surrendered. God, I want to be more separated. God, I want to be more sold out. But I'm not there yet, brother. So why don't I just say, man, by the grace of God, I'm going to serve God now. I'm going to live for God now. And God, if you'll help me by the grace of God, I'll serve you today and I'll work on growing tomorrow. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying God needs you and I to say by the grace of God, here am I, send me, and I want to become what you'll make me to become. One of the hardest things I've seen, and we've been blessed at our church. Well, blessed and cursed with an abundance of preachers. So why blessed and cursed? Because then when a preacher needs something, that the pool is greater for him to choose from. That's a cursing, because I really just want to preach all the time. But one of the things I've seen over the years with young preachers, is they say, man, one day, when God sends me to pastor, I'll do something. One day when God sends me to a mission field, I'll do something. One day if God ever places me on the road as an evangelist and I'll really serve him. No, I say serve him in your church now, doing something now, and see what he does tomorrow. I'll go, I'll I'll drive back home tonight, I'll get up, I'll go to work tomorrow, I'll be in my church on Wednesday night, Thursday night, I'll preach to our teenagers at our church, next Sunday if the Lord doesn't change things, I'll be there, I'll teach our teen Sunday school class, next Sunday you say, what are you doing? Yes, I realize what God's got us doing now, and man, I love doing what I'm doing, and I'm thankful for it, and I ask God every day to pray and to to let us be more of a blessing, I trust that we we are, and I say, God, if that's the case, will you help us to do more of it? But in the meantime, you know what I do, my pastor and I, we've talked about it, I said, preacher, I don't want to lose my responsibilities around here. I said, because I want to be serving God. I want to be doing something for God. I want to try to be able to be a help. I want to try to be able to be a blessing. You said, what are you saying? I'm saying you and I, we ought to look at it. It may not be the ideal thing. It may not be what you imagine. It may not be what you dream. But we need to get to a place where we're all together committed to the call of God in our life. There's a call of God. Are you all together committed to the call of God? Notice what he says in verse number 17. Are you almost or all together changed for God tonight? So what do you mean changed? Notice what the Bible said in verse 17. It said, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes. And to turn them from darkness to light, to, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. You say, what are you saying? Man, he went. Did you notice what he said in verse number, uh, verse number 
uh, 12, he said, whereupon I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest to have him put into jail. He, he was doing, he goes on and he said this, he, he said, man, he was trying to persecute the Christian, trying to persecute the child of God. Now he's trying to convert, con- convert the sinner. Now he's trying to see people get saved. He's trying to see their lives get right with God. You say, what happened? He was the persecutor, but now he's the persecuted. He was the, the, the hater. Now he was the hated. He was, you were the drunk, but now you're the Christian. You were the the blasphemer, but now you're the child of God. You were lost and on your way to hell. You were sitting on a bar stool, but now you're sitting in the sanctuary. You say, what happened? You've been changed by the grace of God, but now it's time for you and I to accept that change and recognize that change and say, God, I'm going to not just let you change my location, but God, I'm going to let you change my life. I'm going to let you change the way I live. I'm going to let you change my purpose. Your purpose isn't about making money. Your purpose is about honoring God. Your purpose isn't about building a name. Or building a reputation. It's about magnifying a name. And magnifying the one that saved you. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying it's time for you and I to get past what we were. And say, God, I want to serve you because of what you've done for me. He changed us. And if we're not careful, we spend all of our life trying to walk a tightrope. Between what he brought us out of and what he's called us to. We try our best to live our life like this right here. See, that platform represents the call of God in my life. God called me to preach. I go back, not not a doubt in my mind. A little over 20 years ago in in May, uh, no, in April, I'm sorry. In April of 2003, God called me to preach. I was it wasn't about radio at that point. I had lost people telling me how, how that lost people didn't even know God was telling me how God was blessing and opening up doors with me to go get into sports broadcasting. But God said, no, that's not what I want for you. I've called you to preach. See, God changed my direction. He changed my purpose. So then it became a point of having to change. And I'll never forget that the Sunday or the Monday morning after I preached my first message, I went in, I was reading a book. And we spent some time on the radio talking about what God was doing in my life. And it really, really just turned into the city of Atlanta against me. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. All these people calling in, all these people talking about stuff. All these people calling in, all these people talking about stuff. And this was the statement I told them. Of course I'm still going to do the radio thing. I've still got to have a career. And with all of my heart, I, I meant that, brother. I got to work, man. I, at this point, I had two kids, man. I, I had to work. I had no idea we'd have four more later, but I mean, I knew I, I, I knew I had kids. So what were you doing without even realizing it? I had my foot planted on the call of God, man. I, I, I got to do. I, I know God's called me to preach. I'm going to be a preacher. But, man, I kept that foot planted firmly on, man. I'm still going to go to ESPN, and I'm still going to get my job on game day. And man, I'm still gonna be the talking head. And man, I'm still, and, and I had it all mapped out, man. I had, by, by the way, God, you say, why did they say that? I had no degree and God had already put me working in sports talk. In Atlanta. Like that doesn't happen. I say, but what happened? I did that for a few months. And I got to a place where the next opportunity came and it was, we want you to do it, but it's gonna pull you out of Sunday night church. By the way, it, it was it was sports talk working to cover the NFL in Atlanta at from four to seven o'clock on Sunday afternoons talking about the NFL and they were going to pay me money to do it. They didn't know what they were doing. I'd have done it for free. So what happened? God brought me to a point of I can't keep this foot where I wanted at. If this foot's going to be what it needs to be. And some of you right now, you're living your life. And yeah, you know God's changed you. And you know God's trying to do something. And you know God wants to use you. And you're almost committed to giving in to that. But you still got that old life pulling at you. You've still got those old dreams there. Those old desires. Man, I'm, I'm so close to retirement. My wife and I, not long ago, we bought a house. 
And I'm glad I got a sensible wife because, man, she found a couple of houses that were in the budget, but they were about half the size of what we needed, but they were on a lake. I didn't care about the fact I was going to have to leave a couple of kids at the old place. Like, I was going to buy the lake house. Like, we don't need all those kids anywhere. They're, they're loud, and they eat a lot. Like, we'll farm them. My, my, my mom and dad always want the kids. They're always, well, we'll take them. Good, you take them. I'll see them. I'll see them every other weekend. It'll be fine. Say, why? Because, man, I told my wife, I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to buy the house. We're going to get these kids out of here, and we're going to go buy us a lake house somewhere. And we're going to slow down in life. There's nothing wrong with you having a dream. There's nothing wrong with you wanting something. But the minute whatever that is you're wanting causes you to get back on this side of things instead of getting all the way in here, you've missed the mark on what you're doing in your life. A lot of us are are trying to live our changed life while still staying, staying in the world. You're trying to live spiritual and you're still trying to listen to that old mess. It ain't going to work. You're trying to serve God and you're still going home and you, tonight you're still going to go home and you're going to turn on that stuff that you know you ain't got no business watching. You know you got no business. Hey, you wouldn't watch it if the preacher was sitting at your house. You wouldn't watch it if he was with you. You wouldn't talk about that if the preacher's wife was with you. Hey, guess what? Whether the preacher comes with you, whether the preacher's wife goes with you, the Holy Ghost of God is with you in everything you do. And he's changed your life. Paul would tell the, the church of Corinth, he would say this, he, he'd list all these terrible things and he would say this, he said, and such were some of you. See, God saved you and God has changed you. And because of that change, you and I ought to be altogether committed to the change of God in our life. Notice last thing and we'll be done. Are you almost, are you almost or all together when it comes to this matter of your conversion, your calling, the change? But I've mentioned it two or three or four times already. But what about your commitment? Look at what he says in verse 21. He said, for these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Now I'm not going to lie. I preached some things and man, I, like I knew, I knew they were going to be waiting for me when I got done. Like, I just knew. I'll never forget. I preached. I was pastor. And I, I got up one day and I preached on watch out for the wolves. I was dealing with some discord in the church. I got, a, I got up and preached on watch out for the wolves. And y'all, I, 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 here you go. If you're there, it sounds like I'm, like I'm being boastful or just mean-spirited with it. But I, got a, I went so far as I got up and I took my phone out and I read text messages from people who were so in discord in the church. I did everything short of calling names. You say, why? Because I was trying to identify that stuff. But I'll never forget that Saturday night sitting there on that couch, finishing typing out my outline and my notes. And as I closed my computer, I said, baby, I feel like I'm signing my resignation letter right there. You say, why? Because I was at a place where I said, you know what? They're not going to be happy. Because I, I, it was time to deal with it. By the way, and there's a time to deal with it. And you know what I told, I told that church at that point? Because, and understand, I hope it doesn't. But if that day ever comes here and he gets up and he starts preaching very pointed on things and you don't know about what he's talking about, you ought to say, thank God. I told that church, I said, man, if you're sitting here and you're like, man, why in the world is he preaching? Is this in a Sunday morning message? I said, you ought to say, thank God that you have no idea what I'm talking about. I said, but some of you right now, you're sitting here and you're so slap aggravated because you're like, he's calling me out by now. I got a text message sitting at lunch from one of those men. He said, man, you didn't, he, he said, he said, man, you called me out in front of everybody. I said, the only people who know I was talking about you are the people you've talked to. I said, I didn't call you out by name. I said, the people you ran your mouth to know it. But despite all of that, I wasn't worried about that man trying to kill me. I wasn't worried about him trying to kill me. Paul got to a place where he, he would preach, and they'd want to stone him, and they'd sneak him out the window to avoid death. Over in Lystra, I think it is, he's over there, man, he preaches, and they, they, they get so crossways with him. They stone him, they drag him outside the city, and they leave him for dead. Now, I'm going to tell you all, as much as I love coming here, and as easy as y'all are to preach to, if, if you get done tonight, you stone me, and you drag me, we're in, what is this, Plains, Lions? What? Plains. If you drag, if you stone me, and you drag me over to Americas, and you leave me for dead, I ain't coming back. 
I don't care what youth meeting you're having. I'm not coming back. Your preacher, Marco Polo's, I'm sick and I don't care. They, man, they stoned me and they drug me to America and so they left me for dead. Like, I'm done with you at that point. Paul does it. He gets up and he just goes on about his way. Paul would write in Acts 20, verse 24, he would say, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. He said, man, you know what's going on in my life. He said, but nothing's moving me. He asked you something tonight. What would it take for me to say that would get you so mad at your, at, at your church? To get you so mad at me that you wouldn't be back on Wednesday night? What would it take? What would I have to offer you to get you to skip your Bible reading tomorrow? Guys, man, I, I got this great deer, deer stand. And man, if y'all, if y'all will get up and you'll come with me. And, and man, we'll go out at four o'clock in the morning. And man, first off, I don't understand why anybody would ever get up and go do anything at four o'clock in the morning. My alarm goes off at 420 every day and it's the most miserable time of my day. Like I despise that. Once I get my feet on the floor, I'm okay. But when that alarm goes off, like I don't like anybody or anything. But guys, man, if we'll get up at 4 o'clock, man, we'll go, man, a 442-point buck. It's 250 pounds is out there. And, man, we can shoot that thing and we can mount it. And, and, and some of you right now, you'd be like, man, sign me up. I'm there. But if I ask you to get up at 6 o'clock tomorrow and read your Bible, you're like, oh, that's too early. I don't have time for that. You say, why? Because we're not as committed to reading our Bible as we are committed to that deer hunt. Like yesterday, we were driving down to Cairo. Got up. We had church-wide visitation in the morning. I told my wife, I said, I want to do that. We'll go visit. I said, I want to be on the road by about 2.30 because it's about a three-hour drive. And I know because I travel with a bunch of girls. And ladies, y'all don't get mad at me, but you, you guys are saying, man, right here, if you're brave enough. If not, I know she's got you where she wants you. Travel with a bunch of girls. And I know I can tell them we're going to leave at 2, and in reality, we're going to leave about 3.30. They're not going to be ready to go on time. It just ain't going to happen. But I said, I want to make sure we get on the road by about 2.30. So in reality, we're on the road by 3. So that we get down there about 6. So we can meet the preacher's wife and we can figure out, get settled in. And by 7 o'clock, everybody's gone so I can pull my iPad out and I can turn on, turn on that Georgia game. <laughs> Don't get mad at me. I'm, I'm spiritual, amen. It, I mean, at least it went Alabama, amen. <laughs> Could have, I could have been depressed and turned on Tennessee, but we're not going there. <laughs> yeah. So what happened? That old Miss game, everybody was telling me it was supposed to be a big deal and it was supposed to be a challenge, and I wanted to find out how we did. So I planned for it. It's the last time you planned to read your Bible. It's the last time you planned to pray. When's the last time you on purpose picked up a gospel track and walked out the door of the church and said, on purpose, I'm going to give it away by, and you set a self-imposed deadline. I preach in a church, and I love the idea. It's seven and seven. That pastor, every, every service, when he gets up, he tells his people, he said, don't forget your seven and seven. I asked him, I said, what is that? He's challenged his people to say, take seven tracks every time they leave the church. Or every Sunday, I'm sorry. Every Sunday, take seven tracks. And in the next seven days, give them to seven different people they don't know. When's the last time you've on purpose been committed enough to go and just pass out a gospel tract to somebody? It's the last time you were committed enough to invite somebody to this youth meeting. We'll all open the floor and we'll stand up and we'll testify for hours about how bad off this world is. We'll talk about what a mess this, this, this next generation is making. Talk about how, about how messed up their morals are. We'll talk about how confused they are. They don't even know if they're a boy or a girl anymore. But we won't invite them to somewhere where we know they're going to come and hear the truth. Why not? Could it be because we're not committed to God? Could it be that we're almost there? We're almost there. Remember, we see the need. But we're not, a, we're not committed enough to do anything about it. 
What are you doing in this matter of serving God like you ought to? Let's do this if we can. Let's, we can. Let's get somebody to make their way to the piano. You know, as I look at this and as I read this, look down in verse number 30. I want to show you something. Agrippa said in verse 28, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said in verse 29, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am except these bonds. I told you that this is really what a church service looks like. He's heard the truth. He's been presented with the truth. He's been given an opportunity to respond and he chose wrong. But he's got one more chance. Look at verse 30. And when he had thus spoken, the king rose up and the governor and Bernice and they that sat with them. And when they were gone aside, they talked between themselves saying, this man is right. We need to be a Christian like he is and we need to be committed. Not what it says. They talked between themselves saying, this man doeth nothing worthy of death or of bonds. Then said Agrippa unto Festus, this man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed unto Caesar. You say, what are you saying? He's sitting there and he listens. Much the same way you've done tonight. You've sat there and you've listened so good. And you thought to yourself, you're like, man, you know what? I've almost gotten saved. I've heard it. I remember when, I, when the Holy Ghost of God convicted my heart like that preacher was talking about. But I never quite responded. You're almost there. But sadly, you're altogether lost tonight. You got one more opportunity that God's given you. We're all about to stand. We're all about to bow our heads. We're all about to pray. And when we do that, you're going to have an opportunity to step out of your seat. And you come down. Now, I'll have somebody take a Bible and they'll show you how you can know that you know that you know you're on your way to heaven. You may be sitting here tonight, and man, you were almost committed. You were almost called. You've almost given in to that change. But you've just not gotten all together yet. What if verse 30 and 31 says Agrippa got up and said, Paul, you're so right, and fell down and asked for forgiveness. But it doesn't. Sadly, Agrippa went about the rest of his life. And as far as we could tell from scriptures, Agrippa died and he went to hell. Are you going to die and go to hell tonight because you don't want to respond? You say, preacher, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. That's fine. Let me ask you this. Are you going to get up and are you going to rise and say, Lord, I want to commit my life to serving you for all the days of my life? Or are we really going to walk out the door and we'll say, man, that was interesting, that was good, but there's not been any change in my life. I'm not changing at all. I'm going to do exactly what I've always done. Let's do this if we can. Let's all stand with our head bowed and our eyes closed. And I want to ask this question. I wonder if there would be just one tonight who would say, you know what, preacher, I'm not trying to fight you. But if I died today, I'm not 100% sure that I would die and go to heaven. Preacher, I'm not trying to fight you. I'm not trying to fight anybody. But I, I can't say that I know that I know that I know I'm going to heaven. That's you. Will you just slip your hand up? I won't call your name. I wouldn't embarrass you for all the money in the world. But I'll pray for you if that's you. If that's you. Will you slip your hand up? Then I wonder tonight how many of us want to come to an altar. And maybe we want to just ask God to help us to be all together on this matter of our call to God. Maybe we want to come to God and ask us to be, help us to be all together in this matter of our commitment. All together in this matter of our change. You're going to sing a verse. If you need to come tonight, why don't you come?